It is Mackling and McGarry. And as far as dates on the calendar go, February 14th, of course, is Valentine's Day. But February 13th, and Greg reminded me of this this morning, and I I get, I don't know if I should be ashamed that I forgot. Not, do not be ashamed. But it's, a, it's actually a pretty big day in our world, Greg. Yeah, it's World Radio Day. And Brett, I can comfortably say, you and I particularly, not super terrific at self-promotion. No. When it comes to... Uh, the successes that uh, we may have reason to to celebrate and, and tout over the years. We, we largely keep a lot of those things under our hat. Um, so today isn't about that either. This isn't about celebrating what we do. It For me, World Radio Day is about remembering the events which made me fall in love with radio back when I was a kid. The places radio has taken me. Over the years, the places that I wished I could go to visit and attend, but because of the magic of radio and in a large part, the commitment of CJOB to travel, not just, you know, across Canada and the United States, but around the world. There's a little bit of a hint there in terms of what I might discuss later on this morning, but the ability to take me places that I could have only dreamed of going as a little kid. You used to hide under your blanket and listen to the radio, didn't you? I did. And and the radio, you know, not just CJOB, but After Dark and Brandon growing up in Brandon, CJOB, you couldn't get After Dark because mm-hmm. the transmitter, you know, the power goes down after sunset. Um, so in Brandon in particular, I could get on a clear night Denver radio station, Chicago, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, Texas, all sorts of incredible places. Texas. Yeah. So you could go, you know, to places in, in your mind. Right. And, uh, and I did that on a regular basis, <laughs> much to my parents' chagrin and a, a lot of, uh, uh, lost sleep, but, uh, well worth it. Yeah. For me, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you ever did. Did you ever like, wait for your favorite song to come on so you could tape it? Absolutely, I did. And uh, it's funny. There are certain songs that when I hear them, I don't... It, it's almost like we've talked about this before in terms of, of movies that you might revisit that maybe you taped on a VHS tape and you watched it so many times on that tape that when you suddenly upgrade to watching this movie on a DVD doesn't feel right because you're waiting for that break. You're familiar with exactly how that broadcast is supposed to play out. So conversely, a song I may have taped on the radio, which maybe has what we call a splitter, a sound effect that identifies a radio station, or maybe one of the, the radio jocks is talking over to introduce the song. To hit, when, the, hit the post. Yeah. And, and I'm, what, and after listening to that version of that song so many times on whatever cassette I had, when I would actually hear just the song, doesn't didn't feel right. I remember call <laughs> and I remember calling a radio station to ask, "What time are you playing?" I'm too sexy. <laughs> By right said Fred. No, you did not. Yes, because I wanted to tape it. <laughs> And I sat, and they, they said it's coming up in the next 45 minutes. And I sat patiently waiting to get it. And I did. They were honest with you? Yep. Okay, good. So that's just one thing that sort of, <laughs> there, there are going to be a whole bunch of memories sort of 
flooding back throughout the morning. So we do. We are going to ask you to join us in sharing those memories a little bit later on. Another thing that we wanted to to touch on here and to switch gears, and we're we you're, you've heard it. You heard it in some of it in Ross's newscast, and we'll, you'll maybe you heard some of this yesterday. But uh, yesterday, Greg, I saw it. I didn't see it until. I popped it open on his Instagram at Wobber, but the premier had some really powerful comments yesterday. Yesterday, I, th- I think it's safe to say um, that we had difficulty sharing our thoughts and our feelings about what had happened in Southern Manitoba and Carmen yesterday. Even though it's our job to put things into context, it's our job to share our feelings. Uh, it was difficult to do so yesterday and I thought that the premier said and conveyed what, you know, I'll speak for myself, what I attempted to convey yesterday, uh, but he did so much more eloquently than I did. I remember what it's like to hold a two and a half month old in my arms. I remember what it's like to walk a four year old to nursery. I remember what it's like to hold the hand of a six year old while you're crossing the road. I remember what it's like to be there with a 17-year-old who should be thinking about grad clothes. And I know what it's like at the end of each day to share a laugh with my wife. And I think people from all walks of life in every part of this province understand these bonds because these bonds are sacred. And this time is difficult for us right now because these sacred bonds have been broken in our province. And there is no context. There is no explanation that can make this okay. This is pure darkness. But I want to say to the people of Manitoba that we are not helpless in the face of darkness. If you'd like to see the Premier's full remarks, really powerful stuff, you can find that at cjob.com. And after 6.30, we're going to learn more from Global's Iris Dick and Catherine Dornian, who had much on what we learned yesterday to come out of that investigation. So, that's, again, that's at 6.35. Also today, Greg, it's Tuesday, which means breakfast with the Bombers, and we have some pretty serious football stuff to discuss today. CFL free agency begins at 11 o'clock. And Brett, you talk about the before times. When you say the before times, what are you talking about? I'm talking about before the pandemic. For me, the before times is prior to 2019, to the Grey Cup drought of 28, 29 seasons. And for years, free agency was about, ooh, who might the Blue Bombers get today that might help them get into the playoffs or get a tiny bit better or just improve somewhat. Now it's more about, oh gosh, I hope we don't lose player X. You know, over the years, Andrew Harris and Adam Big Hill, Justin Medlock, Willie Jefferson, those were the names. Those were the building blocks of what we see now in this quote unquote dynasty of the Blue Bombers as they look to go to a fifth straight great cup. Among the player signings which turned the Blue Bombers into the top team of the league, we will visit with Ed Tate to find out, is there another name? Are the Bombers maybe going to add today as opposed to just hope they don't lose in free agency?
It is Mackling and McGarry. We have tickets to give away for the Winnipeg Jets. Wednesday night, Valentine's Day. San Jose Sharks in town. And it has to do with what's happening today. Greg, what day is it? It is World Radio Day. So we are going to talk about some of the ways, some of the memorable events that radio has impacted you. Obviously, those of us uh, speaking into the microphone right now, radio is a big part of our lives because... That's sort of how we try to pay the bills. and uh, But uh, there was an inspiration along the way. And for many of you that are in our radio family listening this morning, radio's been a big part of your life since you were a little kid as well. So we're going to try and relive some of those memories this morning. So we want to know if you have any radio memories that stand out. Why is listening to the radio important to you? 204-780-6868. Tell us a story for a chance to win Jets tickets, and we're going to pick a winner at 9.15. And uh, just want, and it, this text message made me smile, and it's kind of an honor that this listener, Buzzblaze, what he calls himself. I referenced how I would record songs on my stereo, like on a cassette that were playing on the radio, well, and I even called one station to ask when they were going to play I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. And <laughs> Buzzblaze, he, and he, he's been laughing with me for the, almost eight years about this. And I used to get excited whenever we got to announce that there has been a fouling in a city pool. And, <laughs> and so he's, he texted to say for Brett, when are you announcing the pool fouling? What waits to hit record on the ghetto blaster? <laughs> it is one of your sort of copywritten trademark phrases. And the way you say it, you, you channel a certain Larry Updike. <laughs> That's exactly what is it was right? Well, you remember he used to do Larry Updike, former morning man here at CGOB. He'd do the... <gasps> Deep thoughts with Father Larry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it was coming from. Beautiful. A, a fouling. <laughs> so tell us. Conveyed perfectly, Brett. <laughs> so tell us your story for a chance to win. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Producer Jeff Fortin, Master Control. Why don't we start with you, young man? Oh, there's so many uh, memories. But one of my favorite things is just going out to the lake. And we have the radio on from morning to night. It just, it's outside. You hang outside, and uh, even when you're alone, you have you have something there to entertain you. So when I go to the lake, that is what's on all the time, from morning to night, just radio. It's a companion. It is a companion. Like, even when you're feeling lonely, you got no one else, well, turn on the radio. There's somebody there for you. Poitras? Wow, some of my best favorite sports memories uh, were on radio. I mean, when the Winnipeg Jets in May 2011, when the NHL was returning to Winnipeg, I listened to that entire press conference uh, and I was a total basket case um, while they announced Winnipeg. Listen to it right here on this radio station on 680 CJOB. That was uh, incredible. Um, when the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series, uh, my favorite baseball team back in 2016 in early November there, I remember um, and I, and I was, I listened to almost every game on the radio that season. I just had, I, I, I was obsessed with the Cubs, uh, the, 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 the years prior leading up to that. And I listened to every single game on the radio, um, on WGN. Um, and I, I, I just had, I had it in my earphones. I would be walking to work and be listening to that. And then to hear after they won game seven, there in extra innings, um, the, the like the euphoria and the tears from these people who've been lifelong fans. I remember this one guy was in his 80s and he called in 
Um, and there was countless incidents like that. And it was just like, it was just awesome. And so that was, that's what makes radio great is, is moments and, and stuff like that. Well said, Cameron. Well said. Ross Levitan, are you in the news booth there? Yes, the sir. What you yes, got? I'm enjoying all your stories. I could listen to this all day. No, it's just a theater of the mind, right? You can kind of transport yourself anywhere. And uh, for me, kind of similar to Cam, like the sound of sports on radio, especially baseball, it's there's something magic about yeah, that. So totally. brings me back with my old man uh, listening to Expos games in the car growing up, and and <laughs> Jay's games too. And um, <laughs> you just changed it now. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's something special. And and not only that, for some reason, we'd always get. Uh, at the end of the night, they'd switch over to Fox Sports Radio overnight, and um, I probably spent too many nights uh, not getting enough sleep just listening to them kind of bicker and, and complain about whatever was going on in the States. So, um, yeah, I feel like that was where the love began. Fox Sports Radio? Yeah, the same guy's still on. I actually tuned in last week just for fun, and he's like, yeah, I'm on my 35th year. <laughs> oh, my All right. word. Sh- shout out JT the Brick. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Mackling, what about you? Well, uh, you mentioned the Jets, Cam, and it's the Jets for me and the Bombers. You know, I, I grew up, uh, I could see the the east side upper deck, the back side of it from my bedroom on Golding Street when I was a kid and couldn't always go to the games. And Bob Irving would, would take me there via CJOB and I could hear the cannon when the Bombers scored a touchdown. And so it was as close to being there as, as possible. Went to a lot of games, was lucky to, to go to a lot of games when I was a kid. But for the ones that I couldn't get to, Bob would take me. But the Jets, the WHA Jets were just an incredible team. And for those that remember them, you know, it's they were some of the best hockey played ever. Bobby Hull scoring his... 50th goal in 50 games in Quebec City. I remember that. The Jets playing in the Isvestia tournament, sitting, eating breakfast, listening to Ken Nicholson call a Jets game on the other side of the world was incredible. And then the Jets played the Soviet national team in a three-game series leading up to New Year's 1978. So New Year's, the 29th, 30th, 31st of December in Tokyo. And so those games were on in the middle of the night and the third game was on New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. And I can remember exactly where I was in the middle of the night listening to that game as my parents and their friends partied downstairs. I was in a bedroom listening to my Jets on the other side of the world. It was pretty cool. They beat the Red Army, didn't they? Here in Winnipeg. They got kind of manhandled in Tokyo in that three-game series. They lost all three games, but uh, later on that year in 78, they uh, became the first team, and I think, to my knowledge, the only team to beat the, you know, club team to beat the legitimate national team with Vladislav Trechak in goal. He came in in relief eventually. But, uh, yeah, that's, man, CJOB has taken me to the Grey Cup. I can't even tell you how many times in all those incredible Jets adventures over the years, so... Yeah, it's pretty special to uh, ultimately to be sitting here with you every morning. It's uh, it's overwhelming some days. And the, for me, that's what it is. As a fan of radio, it was always the companionship I would feel. And, and the sense of community. Something neat about being in your car, listening to a song on the radio, and then you can hear that same song coming from either your neighboring car or the car ahead of you, and you realize that... You're having a shared experience 
don't know this person from a hole in the ground, but we have this shared bond for this moment because we're listening to the same song or the same radio station. And I will also add that having become a member of this community now for the, this is my 20th year. My word. And it is an honor and a privilege to be a part of this community, to be a part of this radio family. So we thank you for being a part of our radio family. It is Mackling and McGarry. Greg's got a question for you as it pertains to the stench. When I left my house this morning... Between the car and the house, I could for sure smell acrid. That smell, acrid smell of smoke and fire somewhere, burning something other than firewood. Um, I'm in the northeast part of the city. I went on to Reddit to see if maybe people were discussing it. Looks like perhaps yesterday evening, some people in Transcona were also smelling this. My question, do you smell it this morning? Did you smell it last night? And most importantly, anybody have any idea what was on fire last night and into this morning? All right. So please feel free to let us know on our text line. Also on our text line, just a quick reminder before we have a question for you about fast food. We want to know about your radio memories for a chance to win Jets tickets because today is World Radio Day. And Jason B. says, when I first started teaching at a middle school, I used old-time radio shows to facilitate a writing lesson. I had the students close their eyes with the lights off and form the pictures in their heads, theater of the mind, and then I had students write the scene they heard with all the background aspects. Can't ever go wrong with old-time radio. Yeah, those old radio shows, man, used to love listening to those on CJOB. When they would do like the radio theater, it was so good. It was my, so good. My brother Kevin and I would would make some of those sometimes, like with our tape recorder. Really? With the sound effects and stuff and do a radio play or whatever. Ah, great memories. Thanks for sharing those with us. 204-780-6868. Keep them coming, please, and thank you. So today, one of the things that we're going to be discussing through the day on CJOB is the high cost of fast food and not from a sense that this is a crisis per se, but it's just one of those, like this is one of those chats that we just have from time to time, just off the air, sitting in the newsroom, just discussing like, man, I went to get a burger and fries yesterday and it cost me 20 bucks. Like I remember when, when I worked, (laughs) yes, I'm going to sneak in a Taco Bell reference, baby. But it was three 99, for a combo. And I get it. That was in 1994. Breaking news. Things are more expensive 30 years later. Uh-huh. I get it. But when you consider that, and I, I did some I did some research yesterday. Okay. Yesterday we were talking about a time you were Captain Clutch. Well, the uh, given the topic we're discussing today, an opportunity presented itself for me to step up and be Captain Clutch to help the radio station. As Joey Tribbiani would say, that's right, I stepped up. (laughs) And I went to A&W. Okay, okay. I was worried that you did something else. (laughs) There's an A&W. The the closest fast food place to my home is A&W on Osborne. 
And right beside it is a subway. So I contemplated doing subway, but I thought, I, I've been craving a burger and fries, so I'll wander over to A&W. And for a double-teen burger combo, and I'm not picking on A&W, by the way. They, like I said, they just happen to be the closest place. For a double-teen burger combo, so burger, fries, and a drink, just under $17. Okay. And when I think of what I used to be able to get for under $15, like if I spent went to fast food place and spent 15 bucks, I knew that I was planning to stuff my face. So, you know, if you're like, if you're trying to just get something quick, you know, we have busy lives, you're hungry, you got to stop and grab something. Maybe you've got the kids with you. It used to be quick and cheap, and now it's quick, but it's maybe not so cheap. It's not always quick either. Good point. Good point. And regardless of the nutritional value, sometimes you just got to eat something. That's right. When you're on the go. So that's one of the reasons why we're going to be discussing this through the day. I know that uh, Hal is going to be looking at how this food used to be seen as a cheaper, if not nutritional option. How are people faring with the higher prices? Jim Toth is going to be speaking with a nutritionist. And then uh, later on, on the news, I believe they're looking at the science behind the flavors and what draws us in. But you've got some interesting perspective on this, Jack. Well, you know what? I have my take. I spent, as every, if you listen to this show, you know I spent a long time in the restaurant biz. I keep an eye on it, uh, the formulas, the correlations between, you know, like uh, what was your minimum wage? What were you making back at Taco Bell? Do you remember per hour? My starting wage was $5. $5. So you were, you know, you were just under, like for five bucks an hour, uh, you could eat an hour's worth of food, mm-hmm. right? So there was a correlation there. Well, minimum wage now is $15. Mm-hmm. So that 15 and 17, you could argue argue correlates somewhat. I'll put that aside. But you know, McDonald's has really been under really been under the gun in terms of their pricing over the last couple of years, in particular the last year or so. Uh, subsequent and and then this is uh, from from their own documentation from their own um, shareholders calls. Like the last two years, ten percent price increases consecutively. So this is new. So here's something from the New York Post. I'm going to present it, and you guys you can all do what you, you like with it. Uh, this, this is from the New York Post, February fifth. McDonald's CEO admits the burger giant sales have taken a hit as jacked-up menu prices have turned off core customers and signaled the chain plans to focus on affordability in 2024. The Chicago-based fast food behemoth, um, which has lately taken heat over a Big Mac combo meal priced at nearly $18, said its global same-store sales in the latest quarter had grown just 3.4%, falling short of the 47 growth Wall Street had expected. Here's uh, Chris K- uh, Kempchinski. He's their chief executive. I think what you're going to see as you head into 2024 is probably more attention to what I would describe as affordability. In particular, low-income customers making less than $45,000 per year have largely stopped ordering from McDonald's. Pummeled by inflation, here this is interesting to me. They're eating at home more frequently as grocery prices begin to come down. Now, also for you to ponder, McDonald's stock was $150 US in March of 2022. 
almost exactly four years ago. Yesterday, it closed at $289.44. And in the past five years, the share price is up over 60%. It closed at $289.44, just $10.50 off its all-time high yesterday. Do with that information what you will. Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators investing in your future together. The clock is ticking toward decision time for dozens of CFL players as free agency officially begins at 11 a.m. Yeah, so the CFL's negotiation window closed at the end of business Saturday, giving teams 48 hours to speak exclusively with their own pending free agents. Heading into today, we have resolution on essentially two-thirds of the players who were without a contract for this coming year following the conclusion of the 2020... 23 football season. I'm talking about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course. There are several layers to this, and to get the lowdown, we welcome our good friend, Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. Sort of like Christmas for you today, Ed, a little bit. Not quite great cup, but... <laughs> it is exciting. There's been a lot of change already through the negotiating window, Greg. But, uh, you know, today we'll see, get it official from some guys that have left and maybe some new guys that come into town. I don't the bombers to be busy but uh it is a fun day because it, it's uh, going to be a lot of change across the league well i commented earlier this morning how things have changed for free agency day right because in you know 13 14 15 16 it was who could the bombers get to improve their the, their place in uh, the canadian football league standings now it's about boy oh boy who are we going to lose and I would say plenty of reasons to celebrate over the past few weeks. If you're a Blue Bombers fan, we can discuss that in a moment. But in limbo, and I've pulled this, admittedly, I hijacked this right off your web article, Ed. In limbo, 2012, uh, pardon me, of the 35 free agents the team began with at the end of last season, still unsigned and closer to the market. I'm going to list them off here. Jeff Gray, offensive lineman, receiver Rashid Bailey. Outstanding kick returner, wide receiver, Janarian Grant, Sergio Castillo, kicker, Malik Clements, and Jesse Briggs, both linebackers, defensive end, Theodric Hansen, defensive back uh, for uh, Kerfala Uxume, cornerback, Winston Rose, running back, receiver, Greg McRae, wide receiver, Brendan O'Leary, Orange, and quarterback, Dakota Prukop. This isn't an alphabetical list. I, I uh, suspect you've placed it in a particular order. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those are starters at the top, I believe. And, uh, you know, at this point, it might be that someone signs before the market opens at 11 a.m. this morning. But you start to wonder now, if you've, if you've waited this long as a player, you might be tempted to test the market, even having had the, the benefit of the negotiating window where you could see what was out there. But Things changed so dramatically. You know, what Winnipeg had available to to give the free agents changed last week with Dalton Schoen and Brady Oliveira coming back, Brandon Alexander too. So the pie is smaller. That might be someone might be thinking what might still be there for for the from the bombers. So um yeah, there's there's still some juicy names on that list. I mean, uh, Jeff Gray's a starter, Rashid Bailey, we all know about what he did last year to stay with the team. And, you know, you've got your kicker and an ace kick returner. There's just 
a lot of players on that list that everybody would still like to be have back, but it's just going to be impossible with the salary cap to get everybody back. Well, and other teams have had their eyes on Blue Bomber free mm-hmm. agents, Ed. Four players are essentially guaranteed to be going elsewhere. Will the Bombers be likely to sign any players from elsewhere? Right now, Brad, doesn't sound like it. You know, um, again, I think the, the news from last week with Sean and Brady and, and Brandon Alexander coming back, among others, has really put the squeeze on them financially. What might happen is, uh, you know, as the market kind of settles down in the next few days, they might be able to fill a need that way um, in terms of, you know, who's going to play right tackle with Jamarcus Hardrick on. Maybe there's a a veteran guy out there. If not, then you rely on your scouting staff to find somebody, somebody new to Winnipeg, but that has football experience that you bring in to fill that spot. So, um, you know, there might be the initial kind of craziness of free agency when it opens today and, and what happens. And then, when things settle down, Winnipeg might circle back on some guys that are still out there. I want to ask you about something that I read in a story from Justin Dunk at Three Down Nation, uh, quoting former Atlanta Falcons GM Thomas Dimitrov. He, he thinks that uh, not only is Mike O'Shea on the radar of NFL teams, he thinks that there are teams that are legitimately interested in him. Do you think Mike O'Shea is interested in going to the NFL, Ed? I'm not sure. Um, Thomas Dimitrov's a golf guy, so those golf guys seem to stick together. Um, it, <laughs> True. It, it, it might be that uh, I'm sure that Mike's been on the radar down south, and I'm sure he'd make an excellent coordinator, excellent head coach. We've seen what he's done here. It's just about opportunity, and a lot of times it's, it's the same way it's tough for a, a Canadian or a CFL player to get down there and get the, a door to open for him. I think it's the same for coaching. We haven't seen that many leave over the years. I mean, obviously, Bud Grant, Mike Riley are two prime examples from Winnipeg, but um, I'm not sure that Mike is interested in that, to be honest. I think he's quite content with where he is, um, but um, who knows? Who knows down the road? I just I just know he's not going anywhere soon, so you know, it's neat that his name's popped up. Uh, he might cringe at that, but uh, it does show the respect he has across the border, too, in terms of what he's done as a head coach. I got to ask you, and I wouldn't ask you to to rate the most impactful re-signing. I, I think we can all take a guess at it, Ed, that the, the Bombers have made over the last several weeks here. But how would you rate the overall success of the Blue Bombers in terms of locking in the players they believe give them the best shot in playing in the Grey Cup for a fifth straight season? Well, you know, I think the, the news from last week, I keep coming back to this. I, I, I didn't think that the team was going to get Dalton Schoen and Brady Oliveira back. And so the fact that they did really says something about, again, this team's ability to keep its core intact. And if, you know, if you look at that list of players that have re-signed since the end of the season, it was pretty gloomy in November after the Great Cup, not just because of the loss, but because of that list of pending free agents. And you see the work they've already done to get so many of these guys back you have to say that Winnipeg is still, you know, a great cup contender heading into 2024. And it's because of the work that's been done in December and January and the first few days of February here. It's, it's been pretty impressive. You're always going to lose players and free agency, but what they've done to keep this core intact is pretty impressive. Ed, what have you got planned for the huddle later today? Well, our good friend, Derek Taylor is going to join us. It's our first ever show. It's going to be a live show. That's going to, 
Well, when the season starts on training camp, it'll be Tuesdays uh, at 3 o'clock live every week. Uh, but today we're going to just chop up what we just spoke about. But with Derek, it'll be a lot longer, right? Because <laughs> we're both passionate about this league and we're going to go for as long as it takes today to, to look at what the Bombers have done and then take a quick peek around the league to see what other teams have done too. It should be fun. I can only imagine the homework that Derek Taylor has done oh my God. for this afternoon, Ed. And we appreciate the homework you do. You can get all of Ed's terrific work at BlueBombers.com. Uh, the latest, greatest on what the Blue Bombers are up to, what they'd like to do, and maybe what they've failed to do. Uh, it's an exciting day, Ed. Uh, best of luck on the huddle this afternoon. We always appreciate you making time for us on Breakfast with the Bombers. Have a great day, my friend. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Have a good day. Ed Tate joining us live on 680 CJOB for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by Cooperators, investing in your future together. It is Mackling and McGarry coming up at 835. Big day tomorrow. Boston Pizza, heart-shaped pizza day tomorrow. We'll tell you who they have teamed up with this year to help out. It's win-win. You get a tasty treat. Yes. And in doing so, you're helping a great organization. That's excellent. And uh, also in doing so, and discussing it right now, it reminds you it is uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow. Yes. Right? So get on that. And I think we're actually getting some pizza this morning. I can't quite remember that, but we'll stand by for that detail at 835. And in a moment, we're going to continue to discuss fast food with somebody who knows a thing or two about working in that business. But a reminder that on this World Radio Day, we have an impossible task because we have Jets tickets to give away. And we're asking you to share your memories. And we're doing our absolute best to get through the texts, but we just cannot keep up. It's an avalanche, but keep them coming for a chance to win. Like Ramiro and Gimli, who harkens back to the days of Coast to Coast with Art Bell. And that was essentially my first gig here at CJOB. I used so it was. To, I was a weekend overnight operator. I'd work 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. The most glamorous radio shift of all. That's right. And Coast to Coast with Art Bell would come on. The late, great Art Bell. And I used to love hearing it was at Min, is the Midnight Express. Dun, 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 and then he'd come on and like say, Like a Scirocco. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, I bid you all good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Beautiful. Well done. Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> ah, I used to love this part of my day. I just blast it as loud as I could in that control room. Uh, Good times. So, hey, uh, we just mentioned Boston Pizza or BP. Well, let's jump from BP to DQ because as we celebrate World Radio Day, a member of our radio family has weighed in to offer some perspective and insight on the topic we kicked off just after 7 a.m., talking about the cost of fast food today. And while this listener works in the fast food business, he goes by Nick from DQ in our text line. He owns and operates several quick service restaurants in Manitoba. Full name, Nick Hadjit. <laughs> we got Forte to tell us this off the air, Nick, and I just booted it entirely. Nick Hadjitiako? Right. Did Perfect. I get that right? Perfect. Okay, sorry, buddy. Uh, lots on the go, and I'm a scatterbrain. But thank you very much for joining us this morning and weighing in uh, because we wanted to get your insight into this. I mean, you started in the DQ and fast food business eight years ago. So what were prices like back then for if I'm a customer walking in and I want a meal? 
Well, um, with Dairy Queen, uh, speaking on Dairy Queen uh, solely here, we've always had our, you know, our staple $7 meal deals and so on. And that was the same back in, in 2016, 2017 when I started. Um, those are still on the menu. Those have jumped from $8 and, and $9 respectively. Um, but your typical meals, so the bigger, fancier meals, have gone from, say, Eight nine dollars to fifteen sixteen seventeen dollars a combo. That would include your uh, your burger, your fries, and your drink. Nick, you know I was in this business a long time myself, and I always got the impression at being in some meetings when it came to menu pricing that quite often the menu prices were set at what perhaps you would think that a customer would pay for a dish like that and then sort of reverse engineer it from there in terms of how large the portion might be based on your food cost and and all the other inputs. Is there maybe more now in this business an idea of, well, we've got to charge what we need to charge in order to keep this item on the menu and to continue serving it because if we're not making any money off it, uh, there's no sense in doing it. Oh, 100%. You know, back in the day when I started, it was, if we want to talk about food costs or, or in this industry, we call it COGS, um, costs of goods sold. So what that includes would be anything that that customer uh, essentially leaves with, whether it be your, your, your paper clamshell or your wrapper, your fries, your burger itself, the drink, the straw, etc. cetera. Um, talking numbers, uh, when I started, it was 28, 29%. 30% on the highest would be your total cost of goods sold. Now we're looking at, you know, 35, 37, 38% cost of goods sold. So that's just a rise in your, you know, your paper products, your food costs itself. Um, and we haven't even st- uh, talked about the minimum wage increase yet. So um, getting back to the actual pricing itself. Yeah, it's, it's simply we've got to raise pricing in order to stay afloat. Um, and there's also interest rates that come into play there. So a lot of factors come into play when you're pricing the, um, the product. Of course, we try to make it as affordable and, and have those catch items like, oh, let's let's uh, good deal on this or a promo on, on something else. But ultimately, um, we do need to raise pricing to cover our food costs and all of our, all of our costs together. Refresh our memory, Nick. How many places do you run? Um, we just re- we we had four Dairy Queens, and we currently have a Pita Pit in um, in Neverville. But we just recently sold two of our Dairy Queens. So currently now um, two Dairy Queens and a Pita Pit. And which Dairy Queens are those? Those are the one in Northgate on McPhillips, thirteen eighty five McPhillips. We also own and operate the Dairy Queen Orange Julius in Polo Park Mall, and the brand new Pita Pit in Neverville. All right. Well, Nick, hey, thanks. First of all, for being a part of our radio family and weighing in with your perspective on these things when you can. We appreciate that. And thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. That is Nick Hadjidiako joining us live on The Start. He is from Nick from DQ, as we call him on our text line. I remember when I started my my restaurant with my brothers, had people go, there's no money to be made in this. Why are you doing this? For the most part, because we loved it. Yeah. You know, and uh, when I go back and do things different, lots of things very differently. But at the at its core, it's in your blood, man. It's a business that people absolutely love to be in. 
Mackling and McGarry. Hey, by the way, congratulations to Ethan Enns, who won tickets for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's Sultans of String, Walking Through Fire. That's happening March 2nd and 3rd. And we've got Jets tickets to give away for tomorrow's game. It's World Radio Day. We're asking you to share a radio memory. This one's really cool as it pertains to CJOB. Somebody specific at CJOB, listener Dave D, says, I grew up listening to Red Alex while we worked together in the basement. Thanks for playing his theme song, by the way, says Dave. And when I was a young dad, I would lie on the couch with my infant daughter on top of me while we listened to Jets 1.0 broadcasts. And when Kelly Moore came to CJOB, that same daughter decided to interview him for a school assignment. He took the time to actually phone her back, and he was great with all of her questions. And Dave says, thank you for all that you do. So way to go, Kelly. Not a surprise at all. Kelly Moore, one of the classiest individuals in the world of radio. Uh, not surprised at all that he would take the time, but uh, fantastic story from Dave. Thanks for being a part of the radio family for all these years, Dave, and, and everyone else who's reaching out on the text line. Uh, some very powerful stories, and we appreciate you uh, sharing them with us. And also, we appreciate you just just being with us, period. And we apologize that we're we just we're doing our best to get through all of them. And every time we think we've caught up, yes, I'll hear Greg go, "Good Lord, look at all of these!" And then I'll scroll, scroll, scroll. I'm like, "Oh boy, our work's cut out for us here." It but is. we appreciate it, and that I think just symbolizes the power of radio and how you know the community that we are all a part of, and very proud to be part of that. But right now, we want to talk about something that happens once a year. And it's a big deal. And it's a win-win deal. Because a lot of money is going to be raised tomorrow for a great cause. And everyone who pitches in is going to enjoy a tasty treat. Tomorrow's heart-shaped pizza day at Boston Pizza. The Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba are teaming up with Boston Pizza in support of the Travis Price Children's Heart Center. Stefano Grande, President and CEO of Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba, joins us now. Stefano, good morning, my friend. Buongiorno. How are you doing today? This is, uh, this is you know, we've used the terminology uh, with Ed Tate earlier. It's free agency day in the CFL. It's a little bit like Christmas Eve for you, I think, Stefano. Uh, right it's on. a big day, right? Huge day. Well, this is the day that we want to encourage all of Manitobans to really share their love on a really important day, Valentine's, and support the new Travis Price Cardiac Heart Center at your children's hospital by, you know what, by doing something simple, buying a heart-shaped pizza from Boston Pizza, who we're collaborating with this year, and a dollar from every purchase goes towards improving health care, particularly at the Travis Price Cardiac Heart Center. So we're really pumped and trying to get get out the word. So thank you. So one dollar from every heart-shaped pizza sold at Boston Pizza tomorrow will be donated to the Children's Hospital Foundation. Boston Pizza is also going to be donating a dollar from every salted caramel panuki dessert and uh, 100% of all paper heart donations that are received. But this is all going towards the Travis Price Children's Heart Center. So tell us about this, this facility, which you referenced is relatively new. Well, it's a wonderful world-class facility uh, that opened uh, just a few years ago because of the generosity of Manitobans. And, and of course, uh, over 6,000 kids a year are now served because of the generosity of Manitobans. And uh, we're, so, we're so pumped uh, about the uh, Boston Pizza event tomorrow because, you know, we want to continue ensuring that this new World Class Cardiac Centre has the best 
leading edge technology and life-saving equipment. You know, as we're speaking, I spoke to Dr. Sony, who's head of our cardiac center, and she said, you know, we would love to add a new uh, EKG machine to our departments. You know, we would love to add a few more high pieces of technology that we just don't have for various reasons. And so this is where we turn to the generosity of our business community, who in turn turns to the generosity of our Manitobans and help us raise some additional dollars for improving healthcare in our province for our kids. Well, let's just talk about that role that, that your foundation plays in bringing that technology into the mainstream, bringing it into the healthcare system before it otherwise would, Stefano, because we hear about these things and maybe in a news story, we see them on TV or online that they're doing this, say, in Houston at the world, you know, world's largest uh, health center uh, on campus in, in, in Houston, Texas, or something similar as an example. And a lot of us maybe take it for granted that if it's somewhere else, we must have it here. That's not always the case. Well, you know, it's it's critical that we support our frontline doctors and nurses, right? And and one of the things that our community does well is we come come together around the table and ensure that we do the best for our community. And so our role is simply trying to listen to the needs of our front uh, frontline healthcare system uh, staff, uh, work with you know our our business corporate corporations, our philanthropic families, and try to create something uh, you know better for our, our children's hospital by bringing in that leading edge te- technology or that, uh, that pieces of equipment that for whatever reason is not here. But we know, you know, those 6,000 kids that are served at the Travis Price Cardiac Heart Center uh, would, be, uh, would be the recipients of that generosity. And so our role is simply to bring the community together. And we're so pumped uh, working with the Enright family and, and the Boston Pizzas. And tomorrow's going to be a big day. It's really simple. All you have to do is, you know, take in, order out or, or drop by and, and buy a, a Boston pizza heart-shaped uh, pizza or also a uh, dollar from every Pinocchi dessert, uh, uh, you know, that goes to this important cause of ours. So great way to support our children uh, on Valentine's Day. Our guest is Stefano Grande, President and CEO of the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. And in terms, uh, from what I can tell, the heart-shaped pizza, the choices are the spicy pierogi, the meteor, or the vegetarian heart-shaped pizza. How many heart-shaped pizzas do you think you've consumed since you've uh, been a part of this partnership? (laughs) Well, I got three teenage boys now, and they go through one large each. So it's going to be a uh, pizza heaven day tomorrow for all the boys at the the Grande household. And so, you know, again, just just a great way of showing love uh, to your loved ones. And and it's a great way to celebrate child health in our province and supporting the Travis Price Cardiac Heart Center. How much might you raise tomorrow, Stefano? Do you know? Well, you know, we, we will know after tomorrow, but geez, in the past, it's been well over you know, $20,000, $30,000 per, per, per day. So it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible way how the community just comes to the table, literally comes to the table <laughs> and supports this cause. And, you know, we couldn't do it without the staff of uh, Boston Pizza. They are incredible and doing, uh, doing their own things behind the scenes, uh, encouraging customers to support child health and uh, and even some of the managers are doing some some of their own fundraising so it's really you know it's really a community-based uh fundraising piece that uh, strikes uh, strikes right at the heart of, of what's so good and what's so cool about our community and and you know what uh these local co- corporations like boston pizza they they go the extra 10 yards to support great causes uh like our children's uh hospital and so Again, great way, great way to get involved, show a bit of love uh, to those that you love and, uh, and support our kids. One of the two busiest years of the, 
of the entire year, one of the uh, two busiest nights, rather, of the year, Mother's Day and Valentine's Day. So the fact that they're prepared to do that on one of their two busiest nights of the year is something special. Stefano, thanks for this. We appreciate your insight. Thank you so much. All the best. Stefano Grande, president and CEO of the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. So here's what you do. If you want to get yourself a heart-shaped pizza tomorrow, available for dine-in, takeout, or delivery, if you want to place an order, just call 204-925-4111. That's 204-925-4111. And, uh, yeah, this is a great thing. And hats off to Boston Pizza. As Stefano mentioned, they are they really are a terrific community partner. They, they, when, they, when they get involved, they get involved in a big way. Big time. And uh, we've also been involved with them on uh, several other initiatives over the years. Annually, the Phil the Freightliner comes to mind as we, we gather at the at the Boston Pizza on Keniston near uh, McGilvery. Uh, just a wonderful organization and a great cause. So any excuse to eat good pizza, right, Brett? Mackling and McGarry, last chance to get in on Winnipeg Jets tickets. We have tickets for tomorrow night's game. We're asking you on this World Radio Day to share a memory of radio. Dan F. says it was Timu's rookie year. We lived at the edge of your broadcast range. Due to cutting down your power in the evenings, there was only one place in the house I could get any kind of signal from you. It was on the living room floor, and I had to lie on the late 70s plush carpet to hear. But I still managed to record all of Timu's goals. That's pretty cool, eh? <laughs> Greg's look, the look on Greg's face right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is awesome. I guess the follow-up question for Dan is, do you still have these recordings? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, that's great. So keep those coming. Last chance. We're going to pick a winner in our next segment. Right now, we want to talk about how the mayor of Winnipeg says he wants to see 8,000 housing starts in our city this year. Is that goal achievable? It's commonly called a crisis in our city. Affordable housing in Winnipeg, few and far between. And it's something Winnipeg Mayor Scott Gillingham is looking to fast track in his annual State of the City address, looking to help housing keep up with surging demand. We have to act now. We can't control when developers build housing, but we can control what we approve to be built. To do that, the mayor is challenging the city to have 8,000 housing units approved by November 30th of this year. And he's asking all city departments to work on it. That's Global News reporter Marnie Blunt joining us now. Lanny McInnes, President and CEO of Manitoba Home Builders Association. Lanny, we appreciate this. I went back and, and looked at some numbers, and I think it's a record. Uh, 2022 saw 8,095 housing starts in the province of Manitoba. Is 8,000 an achievable number within the city of Winnipeg? Well, what the mayor announced was to have 8,000 units approved, which doesn't necessarily mean that those units are all going to be built this year, but it does mean that the plans that would allow for them to start construction would be approved by the city. And that's still an ambitious goal, um, but it's certainly one that we think uh, is achievable. One of the uh, the comments that the, the mayor made during his address 
was that currently the city has 78,000 housing units in the queue. So those those plans have been submitted to the city for review and ultimately uh, approval. And so getting 8,000 of that 78,000 uh, approved by November is... Uh, is the target, and uh, it's ambitious, it's aggressive, but it's certainly one that I think the city can achieve. So what does the city need to do differently then to ensure that they are doing their part? Well, one of the things, and this was a a key piece of of the mayor's announcement on Friday, was his direction that every department is now a housing department. And uh, that's critical because uh, the, the plans that are submitted by developers and builders uh, for for housing units are reviewed uh, not just by the planning department but by a host of city departments, uh, the legal department, uh, water and waste, public works, transit, all have a hand in the ultimate approval that uh, a development gets, and certainly a development that has a large number of housing units, whether that's uh, whether that's rental units, affordable housing units, or even traditional single family detached homes. Uh, those are all reviewed by a, a multi, multiple departments at the city of Winnipeg. And his direction is that getting housing units reviewed and approved in a timely fashion is a priority for all city departments, not just the planning department. Well, Annie, I'm not casting aspersions at anyone because I live in one of these houses where the you know with a double garage and a house behind it, sort of thing attached to my garage at the front. Uh, but we're seeing this tiny home movement. I don't know how many people are living in these tiny homes, but I mean, when they start making TV shows about it, you have to imagine that it, that it's somewhat of a trend. Is there or are there enough housing options in terms of the different sizes of homes that, that might be available to, in particular, those that maybe aren't looking for their first house, but maybe their second house? Like, are, are we building too many what I would refer to as forever homes in this marketplace. Are, are there enough options? There's definitely a, a shift in terms of the differing options that uh, are being built in Winnipeg. We're seeing a move certainly away from the, that traditional forever single-family detached home and more uh, options in terms of row homes, uh, townhouses, uh, duplexes, triplexes, uh, we're going to start seeing probably more fourplexes uh, now with the housing accelerator fund uh, announcement and being tied to uh, to that directive by the federal government. We're not going to see it all over the place, but we'll hopefully see more of it where it makes sense to, to have those options built. But we are seeing more and different housing options. Part of that is because of the ability for homeowners to get financing. So they're a little restricted in terms of what they can purchase. But at the same time, it's, it's a reflection of the market demands changing. And uh, our, you know, our industry, our, our goal is to provide the widest array of housing options that we can for, for Manitobans, and provide them with choice and provide them with uh, the best affordability that we can. Lanny, we appreciate this. Anything else, you, you know, we didn't ask you about? Maybe you want to get on the table before we let you run here? Well, it's radio day, right? National radio day. My, my, I'm not looking for jet tickets, but uh, <laughs> I, I do, I do want to, uh, I do want to reflect on as, as the, as soon as you guys uh, started talking about the, uh, the morning of September 11th uh, kicked into my, 
my mind immediately and driving to work listening to uh, to Richard Cluche and Larry update break the news. That'll stick with me forever. That's a big one, Lanny. Thank you for sharing. I forgot. I didn't forget about it, but it hadn't come up yet this morning, and that's an important one to share. So we appreciate that. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Lanny McKinnis, president and CEO of the Manitoba Home Builders Association, joining us live on The Start. Mackling and McGarry, we have Jets tickets to give away for tomorrow night's game, San Jose in town. It's World Radio Day. We're asking you to help us celebrate that by sharing a memory, sharing a story. One of our runners up here, Greg, is Kathy. Kathy says, I remember before cell phones when my dad had a CB radio in his truck. He would call mom with road conditions early in the morning, and she would phone Red Alex to let him know how the roads East of Winnipeg, where Red called her his lady in the country. <laughs> she always had CJOB on, and now I listen every day. And Kathy uh, says, your program has got me through some of the hardest times in my life. Thank you for being there. It's our honor to be here, Kathy. This listener says, I like my radio because that's where I learned most of my English. Wow. When my parents moved to Manitoba from Mexico, I was 15. I I never went to school. Instead, I went to work on a farm. But luckily, all tractors had a radio, so that was perfect for me. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. Sorry, Brett. No. I don't know why that hit me. Oh. That's so cool. That's amazing. It's uh, well, we we had the the perspective from a listener from India as well, so we really appreciate getting that peek <clears throat> into the the cultural mosaic. Right? That's what we call it? Sure. Not the the, yes. the Americans are the melting pot yes. or the mosaic? Yeah, we celebrate our differences, the things that bring us together, but also the differences, right? Uh, this next one comes from Ellen, another runner-up, who says, We did not have television at home until I was about 18 years old. So when I was young, I used to watch my father sit in the bedroom with his ear to the radio listening to hockey games. And we used to wake up early on Saturday mornings to listen to cartoons. Sure. The Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. Hopalong Cassidy. I've always listened to CJOB, especially since internet came into my life in the late 90s because I lived in Munich, Germany for a couple of years. And I always had the radio station tuned in to CJOB. Wherever I'm on a holiday, I've always got CJOB on. I'm not just a radio fan, but a big CJOB fan. We've been getting text messages from uh, our listener Shane down in Mexico. For the last week or so. Oh, yeah? So even, you know, he's sending pictures. He says, yeah, how's the weather there? Pretty good here. So we know that you take us on your vacations and your holidays. That, that means more than you could ever imagine. Yeah, that really does. That really does when we, get, when we hear from you from wherever you may be on planet Earth. Our next one, <clears throat> with some strict instructions. No names if you read this radio memory. I grew up with the information superstation, Manitoba's information superstation, and always considered the voices to be familiar and trusted sources of news. Then a few years ago, I was driving home from work and I heard a conversation about a topic close to my heart. I couldn't respond because respond because driving, but I took the opportunity when I could to send in a silly picture that I'd taken related to the subject. Apparently, the hosts got a kick out of it because they awarded me the prize. It probably didn't seem like much to them at the time, but to me, it was something. It was a rough time of year for me, the anniversary of a sudden and tragic death of a loved one. The prize I was given was the perfect blend of distraction, but also tribute to their memory. 
now I consider the voices on the radio to be friends, and they are kind of stuck with me. So thank you, Anonymous. <laughs> we know who you are, and we appreciate you being a part of our day. And uh, <laughs> this is, this, ah, as I read that out loud, I'm like, ah, this is such a hard decision. But, Greg, we're going with Perry at Malachi. We could have flipped a dozen coins and come up with a dozen different answers as to who should get the tickets today. But Perry says radio is a very big part of my life. I recall like it was yesterday, listening to the small AM radio on the dock at Malachi. This little battery-operated radio was hot-wired to a 6-volt square lantern battery that my dad had connected up. The first landing on the moon was my best memory of that radio. It was on while I was playing in the water. My parents were huddled around this little radio as they landed on the moon. This little radio would be on all the time. At that time, Malachi had no phones, no hydro, so totally off the grid. We traveled to and from Malachi by train, the camper special it was called. Radio was the only connection to news, weather, sports, etc. And yes, it was CJOB. Great memories, and I guess I'm a CJOB lifetime listener. So Perry's at home today in Winnipeg, not in Malachi. So Perry, you're going to the Jets game tomorrow. On Valentine's Day, thank you to all for sharing. I'm sorry if we didn't get the chance to reply. We did our very best, but uh, just so many, so many amazing memories, and we, we love them all. So thank you for making us a part of your day. It is Mackling and McGarry. In our next segment, we'll check in with the host of Connecting Winnipeg to find out what he has coming up for you between 10 and 12 on this World Radio Day. But right now we have a question for you. Have you traveled far and wide to see your favorite sports team play in another city? Maybe you wanted to have a few cold ones at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix or perhaps the Daytona 500. So many options. Yeah, really the list is endless of places that you might like to go or dream of going. A study from 2021 says sports travel in the United States was worth over $45 billion in 2019. Where have you been? Where'd you like to go? Well, our next guest just returned from a fairly epic sports journey to Pennsylvania to watch his Winnipeg Jets play and he snuck in a few other pretty cool experiences as well our television colleague scott duarte joins us from down the hall and uh, scott for those that watch the jets game and maybe listen at the same time on 680 cjob where did you sit for the game against philadelphia last week well, it was uh, an amazing experience for the philadelphia flyers game sitting literally right behind the bench uh, looking right into uh, Coach Bones's eyes as he is walking onto the bench to start the game and watching the players come on, it was it was great. Now you uh, caught the attention of of plenty of people on social media. The Jets got shut out in that game. Shut out in Pittsburgh. They oh, scored one goal. In oh, one game in Philadelphia. Right, they one scored goal. a goal in Pittsburgh that was called back. Yeah, that's right. So they yeah. uh, scored one goal in Philadelphia. A uh, little bit of a frustrating ex- two games, but uh, why? Why did you garner so much attention on the social media? I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I guess you know, it, it's. I guess it started in Pittsburgh, right? You know, I guess you know when TSN's always looking for the the Jets fans in the audience when you're 
watching from home, when I'm watching from home, when the Jets score, you're always going to see if, there, if there's the Jets fan in the audience, the, the camera is going to catch them. And the camera caught me and my wife's uh, reaction when, you know, the Jets were just playing terrible all game against Pittsburgh and they scored a goal and we were all excited. And then we're like, oh, I think this goal is getting called back. And then our reaction <laughs> to the no goal got some attention. And then in Philadelphia, people saw us on camera again and they're like, wait, is that the same folks that were at the Philadelphia, at the Pittsburgh game? I think it is. And then, you know, Jets go down three, nothing in the first period. And I guess you could just see my maybe displeasure behind the bench, <laughs> shaking my head. And then I got, and then people were pointing out my comparison to uh, uh, Pimento from Brooklyn nine, nine. And it kind of just took off from there. His name is Jason Mantzoukas. Have you ever been told that before, that there's a uh, resemblance? Yeah, I've been told that numerous times. Numerous, numerous times. I even remember on a trip to Mexico last year, I met a a couple that didn't even speak English, just pulled up a picture of him on his phone and called me over and said, you look like like this guy. So even people from across the the country, uh, the world even made that uh, comparison. He's kind of a lunatic. Like, at least he's excellent at portraying lunatics, and no matter what he's in. So is that a favorable comparison? He's very funny. <laughs> he's very funny. I've been called worse, so I'll, I'll, I'll take it. No, I, uh, I relish the, uh, the comparison. It's, it makes me laugh. So we know you're a huge Jets fan here at the station. Uh, on, on game days, if you're going straight to the game from work, you'll wear your jersey, and I, and I love that kind of passion we've had passionate conversations for years about the jets is this the first time you've done something like this scott for the jets yeah this is the first time i've ever made a trip like this for the jets for sure yeah um i saw a game in edmonton once but this is the first time making a trip that far so how did you come up with pittsburgh and philadelphia now i'm i'm certainly if there's any sense that i'm questioning your choice i am not i'm just curious how you came up with uh, those two locations timing Timing, yeah, because we usually take off like the first week of February to go on a hot trip, but it was a little more expensive to go to these places this year, right? So we're like, well, what else can we do? And my wife was looking at the Jets schedule even before we were planning on going to see if we were going to miss any Jets games because we have a share of tickets. So we were going to see if we were going to have to give up any of our tickets. And she was like, oh, well, they're playing in Pittsburgh and Philly. Well, we've already got our days booked off. And Philly has always been very high on my bucket list because I'm a huge Rocky fan. My favorite movie of all time. And running up the Rocky steps was near the top of my bucket list. So we're like, I think this means we're going to Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you know. And it wasn't, a, it, wasn't it was literally like two weeks before the games. And we're like, let's just do it. And we ended up going to Pittsburgh and Philly. Well, okay. How did you get tickets then? So like such good tickets. I don't, honestly, I don't, that was luck. I luck or maybe the jets aren't a draw in Philly. I don't know, but um, Pittsburgh was harder to get tickets, but we, we got the tickets we did. And then when we went to go check the Philadelphia game, I'm like, there are seats right behind the bench. They were not cheap, but they were right behind the bench. And we're like, I don't think we're ever going to come to Philadelphia again. So let's just get them. Dare I ask? Uh, in Canadian dollars, yeah, well over like 300 bucks a ticket. Okay. Sure. Well, yeah, that's not that e- bad. It's an experience, right? Yeah. It's one thing, it's something you're going to do only one time. It's not like spending seven grand to go to the no. Super Bowl or something like that. But the Philadelphia of all the arenas, uh, my buddy's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. He wants to go to Philadelphia to watch the Cowboys play. I said, well, and only if you're planning to wear an Eagles jersey and not cheer outwardly for the Cowboys. How were the fans in Philly? How did they treat so you? So that's the funny thing, right? So when we were in Pittsburgh and we kind of interacted with a bunch of fans there and we told them we're going to Philadelphia too. And they're like, ooh, 
you, you <laughs> might not want to wear your Jets jersey in at the arena. Like they don't take very kindly to opposition colors. Right? Well, it can't be that bad, right? I mean, you've heard the stories from the seventies, the Broad Street bullies and the fans and all those kind of days. Um, but you know, we wore the we wore our Jets jerseys to the Philadelphia game, and the fans couldn't have been nicer. Like they were all they were all great, and we actually met a few Jets, other Jets fans in Philadelphia. We actually met one family that went to the Philadelphia game and they were from Delaware of all places and they were huge Jets fans and it comes back to their dad. Um, the dad was there with his daughter and his son and other family members and they're from Delaware and his dad became a Jets fan in the 70s and the WHA days. Just he said, well, we don't have a hockey team in Delaware so we decided to pick a team and I picked the Jets and I've been a Jets fan since the 70s and we're like, that's unbelievable and they come to Winnipeg every year to watch a game. Really? Yeah, they come from Delaware every year to watch one Jets game. Or a couple of jets. They'll come in for like a week and watch two or three games. Yeah. Cool. Our guest, by the way, is Scott Duarte, executive producer down the hall at Global. And he's just telling us about his epic sportsing trip to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And just circling back to, because um, I, I kind of derailed you from the Rocky stuff. But you, you said that Rocky's your favorite movie. You went to Philadelphia, the home of the Italian stallion. So did you go up the steps? Of course. How, how can you not go all the way to Philly with the, your bucket list item being running up the Rocky steps and not do it? And we thought, oh, we're going to get there. There's going to be a bunch of people. You're going to have to wait your turn to run up the steps. It wasn't that busy. We got there. We're like, we looked at each other and we're like, all right, let's go. And we ran up the steps and it was, you know, it was, it was awesome. And then you stood at the top and then you just look down to where he looked down at the at that scene of the movie. And you're, you know, just when you're when you have a passion for that kind of movie, it just it, it meant a lot. It was a it was super cool experience. So the passion for the Jets and the Bombers is, is something that I think a lot of people will be familiar with. Uh, the idea that your wife was sort of sounds like she was almost spearheading this thing might be an unusual circumstance for some of us. Yeah, she was the one that looked at the Jets schedule and like she all like she also loves the Rocky movies too. Um so, you know, it, she just wanted to do it as well wow. and it just um we combined we we're just like, yeah, I think we're just this is the time and we'll take this opportunity to do it. I don't think we're going to have another opportunity to do it again. Now, you had another sort of epic experience that was purely coincidental in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so when we were going to Pittsburgh, it was kind of like, well, what is there to do in Pittsburgh, right? We weren't sure, so my wife was googling what to do in Pittsburgh, and then she said, I, I kind of just looked at look on her face, she's kind of like in shock, and I'm like, what? And she's like, you're not going to believe who's also in Pittsburgh while we're there. Who? Madonna. So that wasn't <laughs> even part of the plan, and all of a sudden, now this Jets trip also turned into going to see Madonna, which was an incredible concert, an unbelievable show. How much was that? Not as bad as you think it would be. Like we were in the upper deck. Like you know, we were as about as high as you could possibly get. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, I, I, I saw. <laughs> I saw the pictures. I thought, did they actually put you in the rafters? Yeah. <laughs> it, felt, it, felt, it kind of felt like it, but kind of from up there though, might have like it, it obviously would have been better to be down in the pits there with her. But when you're up there to see the scale of the show, it was incredible. Yeah, no kidding. So you mentioned you touched on the whole question of what's there to do in Pittsburgh. I was supposed to go there last summer, had to cancel. It's on my bucket list of, of places to go, in fact. Sell me on a two or three, maybe even a four-day visit to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So the downtown is really cool, right? Like when it, Pittsburgh's only got like maybe 300,000 people in it. You know, it's a very blue collar, but the downtown is super cool. Lots of places to go, lots of different restaurants, lots of different things to see. Um the walking paths are really cool. They got, it's, like, it's like the City of Bridges or something like that. Lots of bridges to go down. Uh, the Andy Warhol Museum is there. So if you like art and all that kind of stuff, we went to the Andy Warhol Museum. 
Um, I, we actually felt like we ran out of things, you know, we never ran out of things to do. You know, it was just kind of like, holy, we're already done our trip. You know, we could have probably stayed another day. Yeah, I want to go see uh, baseball there, PNC Park. Yeah, the You're park right? from the outside looked great. Uh, we, we were trying to like walk up and see if we can sneak a peek inside, but you couldn't really see anything from where we were. Well, that's really cool. I'm glad you had this experience. I'm glad it went so well for you. And how epic to uh, have uh, the the traffic on your Twitter <laughs> account that you did and to make the appearances on television. That, that That's really neat. Yeah, everybody Scott. gets their 50 minutes, they say, right? So I had my 50 <laughs> minutes at Twitter fame. So it was, uh, it was definitely a fun experience for sure. Scott Duarte, one of our colleagues down the hall at Global, joining us live on the start. Thanks for sharing the details of this. Oh, it sounds like a great, me. and honestly, it sounds like this is way better than your hot vacation would have uh, been. Yeah, definitely.